This is internationally best-selling indie author, Michael Brent Collings, inviting you to join me at bestsellerlife.com DCR to unlock my tips, tricks, and hacks for a successful writing career. So go to bestsellerlife.com DCR and kickstart your writing adventure today. This is Daniel. And this is Krebs. This is Alton. And I am Matai. And you're listening to Dungeon Crawlers Radio, the greatest geek podcast out there. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio, where we have a wonderful guest on this evening. He's been here several times before, but uh, it's great to have him back. It is author Jason King. Uh, So thanks for coming back on the show. No, thanks for having me. It's been too long. I think the last time we talked, we were at... uh... Oh man, we were at a, a book game store and in, uh, in the back. <laughs> yes. I remember this uh, uh, Paragon. Uh, yeah, that was Paragon way, yeah. way back in there. That was a few years ago. Studio <laughs> space. Uh, Alton, who you know has been on the show, that was like two game stores <laughs> ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, it Fuck has it. been a while. Um, it's great to have you yeah. on today, Jason. Thanks. Yeah, and thanks it, for having it me. Definitely is. Oh my gosh, that was like preface. Uh, that, that, that was a long time ago. Now that I think about it, um, but yes, it's great having you back. Uh, so, for those of you that don't remember Jason, or maybe this is the first time tuning in, Jason is the author of the Valkoria series, um, the Thomas Destiny book, as well as the Lure of Fool series. Uh, all great books. But now you've kind of deviated because those are all fantasy. Now you've yep. deviated to something different, the Mad Reaper, which is a crime uh, type novel, which is fascinating. So why the deviation from fantasy to something new? Um, I swore I wasn't going to do that because I have friends who do it and it doesn't always work out. But I, mm-hmm. I just, I um, so I'm a, I'm a, true crime fan <laughs> okay I'm one, I'm one of those people you know who you know the meme about like going to bed listening to serial killer documentaries you know um that's me my mm-hmm. mom got me started early when i was like five we were watching tv specials about ted bundy and uh <laughs> i've just always been fascinated with psychology and especially nice. criminal psychology and so um you know how it goes daniel you're an author you just kind of you dive into something, you know, and, and then all of a sudden it sparks a story and, uh, you kind of have to follow it through. And that's kind of what happened with me. Um, I, uh, my, I try to make my books very character driven so that although the, the settings might change, you know, it may not be a fantasy. There might not be magic. Um, I try to focus on the characters. And so I, I hope I've done that with this, but yeah, that's kind of what happened is I just, I'm really into true crime and, um, it just starts the juices flowing. Like, what if this happened? And what if that happened? Nice. You know, the next thing you know, you have a fully, you know, you have a character you're, you're writing. And so, yeah, that's kind of what happened. And, and uh, we'll kind of see where it goes. <laughs> nice. Now, I mean, I, knowing this now, my one question is why have, why has there not been a lunch between you and Dan Wells? Cause Dan Wells is that type <laughs> of guy. I mean, that's the reason he had the, you know, I'm not a serial killer because he's obsessed with serial killers. And it was so much so that his mother-in-law continued to ask his wife over and over, are you okay? Like, he's a little <laughs> obsessed with this. 
oddly enough, something similar happened to me. Um, I won't get into details, but uh, <laughs> I uh, I had someone um, seek advice about me to see if I really was like uh, you know safe. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> if you know me, you know I'm I'm a oh, big yeah. baby. I, I I yeah. So no, but, we, uh, we've yeah, had. I mean... We've had authors on here before that uh, say, yeah, being an author is an excuse for my internet search history. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I've got a pretty crazy one. So I, I kind of, <laughs> you know, yeah. just kidding, NSA, I mean, you know. <laughs> but, my, Michael Brent has been on the show so many times. He's like, you know, I'm probably on some watch list you oh, know, because no of my internet browser history. So as an author, it's not surprising. Uh, you get an idea and it's like, ooh. I wonder about that. And so you, you dig in, you do the research and I'm yeah. sure, uh, you know, I, I know when I was doing my second book, I was, I looked up how to make poisons and bombs and stuff like that. Cause <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to describe it realistically. So I'm sure <laughs> they're like, wait a minute, what's going on with this guy? Yeah. And I've done that. I've, uh, years ago, I was writing a screenplay for the blue cat screenplay contest and, I was looking up nuclear power plants on the internet and, you know, how do they transport uranium? And I'm sure that got me on some watch list. <laughs> yeah. That'll attract some attention. Yes. So. Yes, it will. So let's, let's dive into this. So the mad reaper, what is, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the elevator pitch to it or a brief synopsis? Cause we don't want to dive in too much sure. with, to spoil it, but we definitely want to intrigue the listeners to go out and pick up a copy going to give you a flavor for it um so basically the story revolves around two characters and it kind of takes it from their points of view there's an fbi agent named jordan griffin um and he's kind of straight laced you know kind of a you know uh if you watch the blacklist uh Mm. donald you know wrestler um he's kind of like nice he's like kind of picture okay yeah and then the other character is um uh a member of a high-ranking member of an organized crime syndicate um and his you know his story is different you know he's obviously not a hero but he has a very compelling like storyline but the the mystery behind it is they both have some kind of shared history and you have to kind of read to find out you know what's going on but um that shared history is is rooted in this serial killer who terrorized the city like 25 years before the story opens and so hmm. You get a lot of backstory on this serial killer. The serial killer is called the Mad Reaper by the press um, because he was uh, he used a scythe. So you know, there's there's a shoe in right there for a an easy uh, you know an easy name. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, he racked up a body count and um, he disappeared one day, just gone. And uh, so that's kind of where the mystery is. But uh, Agent Griffin and and this other character, Victor Reese. Um, their backstory is kind of reveal a little bit about what happened with that. So that's kind of the, you know, 32nd uh, pitch, but uh, a lot of action. Um, in fact, I, when people ask me kind of what, what it's like, I do tell them it's kind of like the blacklist in the way that the action's similar, you know, um, and you have, uh, I wouldn't go far as to say it's a police p- procedural. It's definitely not, but you have kind of the, a little bit of the FBI in there and, and then uh, just a lot of action scenes and mystery. And it's, so it's, it's kind of the same, same flavor as the blacklist. I would say. I love that. I love the fact that like, no, this book's like the blacklist. 
Um, <laughs> if there is any really good like FBI crime story uh, series out there that really drags you in, other than Justified, uh, the Blacklist is one of those. Up, it's on the top of the list for me, and I oh, really yeah. like how that's done. And I like the fact that you're like you know comparing your main character uh, to Rustler. Uh, that's just a great character. I mean, it's one character yeah. that I really disliked in the beginning. <laughs> yep. But as you started to get to know him, you're like, you start liking him, even though he's that really straight laced guy, you're starting to understand him because, you know, things are coming out about his character. And it sounds like that's coming out in the story too, how uh, in the very beginning, he's just that guy you don't like, but then yeah, you start having guy. those flashbacks and you're starting to learn more about him. And then you're understanding more about him so i like that yeah yep so does that mean that for the audiobook you've got james spader lined up i Ooh. wish <laughs> <laughs> i just want to meet him i mean he's a amazing actor the funny thing is is i remember him from stargate i went and saw uh-huh. stargate yeah. when it came out oh, yeah. you know as a teenager and um yeah he's just mesmerizing his uh so yeah i'd love that but no um actually I've got a friend who's a, is a voice actor. His name is Zach Bjorgi. And he was actually on the show with me once here. Yeah. Um, so he, uh, he's, he's going to do the audio. He's doing the audio book. He's already started. So, and he's not and, James and, Spader, but he's, he's a close second. So. Oh my gosh. So Zach, Zach has a very deep, deep bass voice and he just pulls it off. So that's amazing that he's going to be there. I mean, yeah. I mean, I remember James Spader from Clearback and Pretty in Pink. That's the first time I remember ever seeing him. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So, no, I, I love it on The Office when he's uh, Robert California. And um, mm-hmm. Jim's like, I think that's the smartest man I've ever met. <laughs> so, yeah. He almost plays a parody of himself, you know. But, I mean, that would be amazing if somehow James Spader hears this episode and he's like, yeah, hey reaches out and contacts you. I, I totally do it. Sorry, Zach, you're out of a job, but you know, <laughs> uh, that would oh, be amazing to be able to pull that one off. Yeah. That would be very cool. So, so, okay. So you, you know, you love crime stories. It's been some, it's been your, your geek passion for a, a long time of your life. Something I wasn't even aware of until now. <laughs> now you got to dive into the story. How did it feel? How did it feel to dive into something you've loved so much? Cause I know you love fantasy, but now this is kind of, this sounds like this is more of your true passion. Um, I, I just, I think whenever I write a story, I kind of kind of get into it, you know, you, you know, it is, um, it was a lot of fun to explore, but it's also kind of constraining to you because with fantasy, you can, um, magic your way into anything if you have to you know i mean if you you don't want to you got to do it right so people don't know you're doing it but um it's harder when you have to operate within the confines of reality um so <laughs> excuse me i'm getting over COVID. i apologize no, you're fine. a little like miley cyrus um but uh but yeah just kind of uh the constraints are a little bit challenging and i like to i like new challenges and so you know, I really had to think through how to do things a little bit differently than with fantasy. Um, I guess one example would be points of view. In the fantasy genre, it's acceptable to have multiple points of view. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, Robert Jordan. Thank you, Brandon Sanderson. You know, um, 
with other more mainstream books, it isn't. You usually only have one. Uh, it depends on the author. But so I confined myself just to two points of view. And I found that incredibly hard. I've never done that before. And so if you wanted something to happen, you know, you can't just decide to possess Bob the janitor and, you know, make him witness a murder and, you know, in an alley, you have to, you have to work it into the story in a way that will get back to the character that you're writing without breaking those rules. And so I found that really challenging. Um, and, uh, but it was also really rewarding. And I think, uh, I think I kind of gained a level in my writing, which was awesome. Nice. So, yeah. So did you also find it possibly a little bit freeing not having to build up the world because everyone really like, Oh yeah, I, I understand how the world and the mechanics work. Yeah. I mean, I love world building. Um, and, but it was nice just to like, not have to worry about like those things, you know, uh, they just get in a car and they drive to their apartment. <laughs> they yeah. take an elevator. They don't have to, <laughs> you know, ride a horse. I don't have to research how fast horses run or, you know, I don't have to make up a unicorn with, you know, this much mana, you know, so, yeah. um, it was, it is nice just to kind of play in the real world a little bit. Um, there were a couple of times though, it, it kind of got a little depressing and I, I found my mood kind of souring a little bit, um, just because of the, the content, the, the, the topics that, that I was dealing with were a little darker and that surprised me. Cause like I said, I listened to a lot of true crime and you know me, I laugh at everything and not at victims or crimes, but I just laugh. I like to laugh, you know? And so when I found that kind of happening, sometimes I'd have to take a break and, mm-hmm. and look at puppies on the internet or something. <laughs> so it was kind of, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a well, different experience that way. I, no, I mean, I understand, uh, you know, when you're listening to something, you're not invested. Uh, I know uh, referencing back to my second book when I was, you know, writing this scene where this one character murders another character through poisoning him. And she's watching him like gagging to death. You know, after I finished that scene, I just like, uh, I just felt <laughs> heavy and yeah. nasty. And it, it's because there, a part of you goes there because you're yeah. writing that out. And then you just like, this isn't me. This is like completely against who I am. And you just need to go do something else. Yeah. Cause it just feels so wrong. Um, I mean, in my opinion, if you're feeling that, you're doing it right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it does but take a toll. Also, <laughs> yeah, it takes a toll, but then at the same time, it's it shows you like, okay, you know, this is completely out of character for me. I need to go back to me and, and get that energy back. And then it makes me wonder, like, how do people like Stephen King and Michael Brent oh, write this stuff over and over and it not like completely alter their their landscape uh, in their mind because uh, yeah you and maybe that's why michael brent laughs all the time and makes the jokes oh, he does super to, funny to yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah one of the funniest people i've met so you're right yeah. i think maybe that's where that that counterbalance comes in is you gotta balance the dark with the light so. yes so actually well matt you, you take the next question and then i'll, I'll jump back so Jason, when you're writing these novels, what do you do to keep them fresh and new? Everybody's looking for a twist, not just a straight by the numbers crime drama. So where do you draw your mm-hmm. inspiration from? What kind of things do you do to make it fresh? That's a great question. Um, I think that for one thing, I, I like to read what I write. So I kind of know like what everybody else is doing uh, or what others are doing. Um, 
but as far as putting a twist on it, I, I kind of just, I play, and I've talked about this before in some of our you know panels and, and workshops, I kind of play the what if game, you know? Um, and I do it too when I'm watching like other people's shows and it's really frustrating when you think a show should go a different way than it's going. But um, with my own writing, you just kind of ask like, well, what if, what if this happens, you know? what if this person is actually secretly related to this person, you know, and then there's kind of a, a feeling to it. Like it, it, it excites me, you know, and I feel like, Oh man, that's, that's crazy. You know, that that's, that's not so crazy. It doesn't work, but that's a, that would be, you know, you kind of just feel your way through it. And so I do play the what if game a lot. I kind of ask myself a lot of like scenario questions. Like what if we go here? What if this character dies? You know, what if, and a lot of times, you know, it's it's almost like creating a multiverse in your head. You know, you have the same story with a bunch of different possibilities, um, and then you just kind of pull on the thread that seems most exciting, most interesting. And so that's kind of what I try to do. Um, and I do try to to stay away from the cliche as best I can, but that's impossible <laughs> completely <laughs> to do it. Um, but, you know, the best cliches are the ones that endure, and then you just put your own spin on it, you know. Uh, well, I heard someone say that once. <laughs> as they but. say, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, you know, every nope. story kind of fits into one of a small number of uh, uh, tropish categories, but it's the way you tell it. It's yep. subverting expectations. And a lot of times it's character driven. Yeah. Uh, so other than the James Spader uh, character, uh, <laughs> what, uh, <laughs> Uh, what's, what are some of your favorite characters to write? Oh, I love villains. Um, hands down. I, I love villains more than I love heroes. <laughs> and, um, I, I've never ventured into anti-hero. I don't know that I could, cause I, I'm really kind of traditionalist that way. My stories have to have a good and a bad guy, but I love to write villains and I love to make them complex and also sympathetic but also frightening and someone you can hate. Um, and so uh, I admittedly, this book is based and driven by the villains. So it's based on the villains, their story. Um, and it's, it's driven kind of by that. So, and uh, that's, that's my jam. I love a good villain. Awesome. I mean, you, you can't have a good, you can't have a good hero story without a villain. I mean, the villain exactly. really makes it. I mean, look at every James Bond movie. James Bond just isn't, I mean, he he's just James Bond, but he's nothing yep. without his villain. You know, without the villain, he's just a guy that shoots people and breaks down walls and stuff like that and sleeps with a lot of women. And womanizes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But without that foil, you know, without that foil, he, he sounds like kind of a scummy guy you don't want to be around. <laughs> You know, but you compare him to the villains and it's like, wow, you know, he's a really good guy. He's broken because he has mm -hmm. to deal with these really, really horrible people in the world. And so how he copes with that is by drinking a lot, by sleeping with a lot of women, because, I mean, doing that day in and day out, it, it really scars you, I'm sure. Um, yeah. But you can forgive yeah. all those things because of the, that bad, those bad villains he faces. Take them away and you're like, ooh, he's kind of creepy. <laughs> um, and, and I yucky. love James Bond. Yeah, yeah, I love James Bond. Don't get me wrong. Um, when you take that away, it kind of looks that way. I mean, it's the same way with a lot of these heroes that we see in the stories. Um, you know, you take that villain away, and some of the things they do seems a little 
out of place. Not yeah. every hero. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Captain America definitely stands the test of time. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, look at, you know, Tony Stark, Iron Man. You could kind of question some of his motives with some of his behaviors if you could take away the villains and things like that. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he builds a super-powered AI robot that wants to destroy all humanity that talks like James Spader. Um, <laughs> there, but we're back because, to it. <laughs> <laughs> but because he's terrified, uh, you know, of Thanos and the threat that that villain brings about, you take that villain away, now who's the bad guy? Yeah. You know, so... Hey, DCR fans, do you ever dream of quitting your job to become a successful writer? This is internationally best-selling indie author and friend of Dungeon Crawlers Radio, Michael Brent Collings, inviting you to join me at bestsellerlife.com slash DCR to unlock my tips, tricks, and hacks for a successful writing career. A portion of every sale at bestsellerlife.com slash DCR goes to support Dungeon Crawlers Radio. And even better, another portion goes to charity. So go to bestsellerlife.com slash DCR and kickstart your writing adventure today. Yeah, I, I, and I love that. I love that foil ability between the good guy and the bad guy. And if you have a really good, solid villain, man, your story shines. I mean, I, I love villains as well. The villain is always the most entertaining part and the part that really draws me into a story. If you have a weak villain, um, it, it kicks me out. And, you know, I know a lot yeah. of people are going to give me hate for this, but I honestly don't feel like Voldemort is a good villain. I feel I like say it's a Holly. <laughs> uh, I know, I know. Um, yeah, and it's because in my mind a good solid villain would not go after Harry. He would have gone, got resurrected, wiped out the world. Yeah, and then to be petty, gone after Harry at that point. Instead, he wasted all of his time and energy trying to take out <laughs> Harry, this insignificant kid, and which, unfortunately, because every time he attacked Harry, it made Harry stronger, and he became more powerful. So by the end, Harry was able to defeat him. And I get that's a more hero-driven story, but it just it's not a great one. Now, Umbridge, Professor Umbridge, oh, I think yeah. she's the true villain of the story. She's She's a true uh, villain. She, I hated she her. She is <laughs> nasty. Yeah. She is a nasty, nasty character. And I hate her, but I hate her so much because she is such a great villain. Yep. That's a fantastic yeah. example. Yeah. What makes her so bad is this. When you believe in the righteousness of your cause to the exclusion yep. of any facts to the contrary, you can justify anything. Yes. Yep. And, and that's why I think she's such a great one. Yeah. And you can't, you can't reason with her. You can't convince her that she's mm -hmm. wrong. You can't get her to moderate her tone. No diplomacy is going to work here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and I think that's another reason why we love Darth Vader. You know, Darth Vader is so focused on his conviction. You know, it doesn't matter the truth that's in front of him. I mean, we see a crying Padme. We see, Obi-Wan that is there trying to pull him from the edge, but he is so entrenched that the only way he can save Padme is to become, you know, this dark Lord and fall to the dark side and that the Jedi are evil because, well, you know, he's, he hasn't been given his way because he's been tricked into believing otherwise that 
when he falls, we love seeing him in that dark armor. We love seeing him slaughtering Jedi, uh, even the younglings, because he he fully believes in his cause. Love is a strong word there, Daniel. (laughs) I mean, we love watching him slaughter little children. Um, Well, I'm going to disagree with you there. (laughs) Okay. Okay. We know it's fake because it's a movie. (laughs) But we love the conviction that that character went so far to fall to that end. Um, yes, we don't like seeing people kill kids. Uh, definitely not. <laughs> we do, we don't condone that. This is where Josh would be so, jumping in. We do not condone the slaying <laughs> here on DCR. Um, but it, it is those characters. And, you know, if we even look at history, some of the greatest villains in history are those that believe so much in their cause. It doesn't matter what else. I mean, Hitler is one of those huge ones on the list. That it didn't matter wh- what atrocities he was doing, he believed in his goal and his purpose. Yeah. Um, you know, some uh, some of the Roman uh, emperors or Caesars, the same way. Genghis Khan. I mean, we can go through the list, and some of these people are idolized in some in some cultures, and others are just like they're atrocious, they're horrible because of the things they've done. And I think that definitely converts into literature the, when we see these these villains. Um, I mean, Brandon Sanderson, you know, is a villain. Is that what you're saying? No, the emperor, emperor uh, or not, not the emperor, uh, in in Mistborn. What was he? Yeah, the uh, the Dark Lord, the uh, the Lord Ruler. Lord Ruler. The Lord Ruler. That's what it is. You know, he was so convinced that he had to keep the power to save the world. And otherwise, you know, he could, you know, the world would be, would be lost. And so, Again, that's another one of those characters that their false belief actually was bringing about the downfall of society and the world, but he was doing it for a good reason. What about the Joker, though? So, well, I mean, even the Joker, in a way, has a, a false sense of brokenness that his true belief is the world is insane. It's crazy. And he's got this focal point of Batman. They, you know, he believes that Batman is a mirror image of himself. And so he's doing all these crazy, atrocious things to prove that Batman is the same as him. Mm. You know, because once he does that, then it proves that the world is the way he sees it. But Batman continues to not cross that line, which makes it so that, that mirror image can't exist. And so he continues to push that line to get Batman across it so that once he does, then he can finally believe that, okay, what I believe in the world is true. Yeah. Yeah. No. Nailed it. Joker's got a great story about where he got his scars. You should ask him about that sometime. (laughs) (sighs) You know, speaking of villains and stuff, my, my grandfather was, was not a nice person. He was a pretty bad guy right up until I had my first child. And then he became a great grandfather. Huh. 
gosh. Yeah, I, I'm uh, slow to deny it. <laughs> is, that a, is that a granddad joke or just a dad uh, joke? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. But there was, you know, we, we mentioned my, my uh, brother Josh, uh, the, the main Krebs here the other day. And he, he loves dogs. He was telling me that he'd taken his, uh, his dog Hank out to the park and he threw this stick from on top of a, a hill and it went about a mile. And the dog chased after it, got it, and brought it back to me. And I said, I looked at him and I went, I'm sorry, that story sounds a little far fetched to me. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, wow. Yep. Yep, there it is. Uh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, bringing you- levity. We need a villain that just tells dad jokes in some story. That would be good. You know, that that's the the crime <laughs> right there. That's how he enters. Yeah. <laughs> just, the whole time he's just throwing in dad jokes through his monologue. That would be um, awesome. I would I mean, love to see someone write something like that. Isn't this Me kind too. of the equivalent I mean, would... of Douglas Adams' Vogon poetry? I'm going to read this poetry to you until you uh, finally. Relent under the torture. <laughs> yep. Yes. Oh, that's funny. How would that scene go? I mean, you have the hero. Let's just, yeah, you have the hero there. <laughs> He's ready to take down the villain, and the villain is monologuing and he keeps throwing in dad jokes the whole time. I mean, like, can the hero hold the straight face, or does he just like, oh my god, <laughs> no, please, just just hit me in the back of the head with a baseball bat? You, you know what? I think that uh, Austin Powers really missed an opportunity here with that because there were some incredibly <laughs> colorful villainous characters, and not one of them did what Daniel is suggesting. And man, <laughs> that's the kind of movie where that would totally work. Well, yeah, I mean, you had the, the dad the dad dynamic between Scott and Dr. Evil. Then in the second one... Whom I love. Austin's Scott's dad. wonderful. You have Austin's dad, and then somehow Dr. Evil becomes Dougie. Um, yeah. Uh, and then the third one comes and it's like, that just never existed. So I I, I don't know. But I do think they did miss. I mean, they had a lot of really obscure joke references in there. Um, a lot of them pertaining to um, uh, phalluses. But um... <laughs> Michael Myers is not known for his subtlety. I would not exactly call those obscure. Yeah, really, really highbrows. Uh, yeah, but it's definitely you know it's definitely a, a family show, so I don't want to dive in there too much but you're right there was a missed opportunity that could have been achieved there but at the same time i don't think dad jokes were that popular at that time so that's probably why they missed it uh in the early 90s there it's because Um, we were being traumatized by them and now we're making yes yes and we make light (laughs) of them all the time so that's fantastic this another case of the abused becoming the abuser (laughs) it's a chain (laughs) yes so with going back to the book the mad reaper Mm -hmm. um is this a standalone are we going to see maybe more of these books Uh, where are we going with this so it's a trilogy um i can't i can't 
not do it. I have to do it. Nice. Um, so the second one's already being written. I'm hoping to to have it out sometime um, late 2024. Uh, this does wrap though, and I, I try to make my books wrap the story so that you don't feel like, mm-hmm. the, well, lure of fools accepted. I like to make it so you don't feel like there's a cliffhanger that there's something that actually was accomplished. And so each one will have, you know, its own story that wraps, but the, the overarching story continues. So nice. um, we're, we're looking at at least a trilogy. So, okay. So it definitely is a lot like the blacklist where each episode ends with its mini arc. And then there is the overall arc, like of the series. Yeah. Um, that is still completed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Perfect. So yeah, there's more to look forward to. And, and it is a shorter book, uh, but the crime genre is different from fantasy. The fantasies tend to run longer. So, yeah. So, about how many words is are these? So it's about sixty-five to seventy thousand. So, oh wow! That I always tell that. I tell, yeah, I tell it to my friends who don't write, and they're like, "I don't understand. What does that mean in pages?" Yeah. So <laughs> I'll say now it's a it's a two hundred and fifty page book. Yeah. Two fifty. So a, a pretty brief read, but but a a good solid story so yeah i mean to put it into perspective you know my my fantasy books are roughly 130 140,000 yeah brandon's <laughs> reach up into the four or five hundred thousand word range um, yeah that's a that's an aberration yeah. <laughs> so. uh, a louis lamour western book if you're going to read one of those that's closer to 20 to thirty thousand words uh so novella (laughs) yeah i mean they're westerns are teeny i i you know i've kind of looked into making the doing them and uh it is i don't they're so small i it's like i I don't know how to do it i I know dave west does it really well but (laughs) it's in the name west western you know see i could do it too matthew yeah Yeah. there it is um I mean, like, I wrote my kid's book novel, and it was 30,000 words, and I'm like, I just fell off. I'm like, am I really done? Like, yeah. <laughs> this, was, this was short, you know, because yeah. that's like a fourth of my normal books, almost. So it's it's weird. But the nice thing is, because they're so much smaller, you can do, you can get it out quicker than yep. a full-size fantasy novel. So You can put them out faster, for sure. Yeah. That's that's what I'm hoping to do with this, is, is get them out fast so so is this going to be uh put out through immortal works as well it is um it kind of pushes the envelope of immortal works's mission but it doesn't cross the line so um just to you know uh i guess recap a little bit dan dan knows this but i'm um i have a publisher immortal works press i'm the, the the president of it and um you know we basically specialize in books that aren't explicit so um PG-13, you know, it's got some swearing, violence, things like that, but uh, we don't cross the R-rated uh, line. So this one comes close, but um, uh, I mentioned Holly earlier. She's my chief editor and my personal editor, and uh, she reined me in and made me take out a bunch of swears in this book. So uh, it's still exciting. There's still great character development, and um, but, uh, yeah, she's uh, made sure I stayed on mission. <laughs> so. No, it's okay. It's okay. I mean – I, I'm going to kind of to pull something out. I mean, like the Dresden file books. I love those books. Oh, and yeah. they are great. That's what I was thinking of too. But, yeah. yeah. Some of these later books I'm really struggling with. Cause you know, it, 
yes, there were some swears in there, stuff like that. But, you know, I noticed the last four or five, the F-bomb has been dropped in there quite frequently. And I'm just yeah. like, what the heck? Like, where is this coming out of, you know? And I'm seeing it in Larry Correa's Monster Hunter books as well. And it's like, okay, I mean, I can get it every now and then. But it seems like now it's just like, hey, we're just going to keep throwing the F-bomb in there. And it's like, oh, why? I mean, yeah. that was one of the things that I really loved about the series is, yes, they're still swearing, but I didn't get the F-bomb in there. And now it now it showed up. And it's just like, why? Why is it there? Yeah. We don't need it. Yeah, I, see, I mean, there's... Go ahead, Matthew, sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I was going to say, that's, that's the one criticism I have of the Dresden Files is when I want to get somebody else interested in it, because I do love the character and the world that Jim Butcher has oh, yeah. built. I'm really hesitant for some people um, that don't like the explicit stuff to recommend the first book, Stormfront, since the plot revolves around oh, yeah. sex magic. <laughs> the orgy. Yeah. yeah. And, and while there are definitely other examples of literature out there that are more explicit, this is explicit enough that it makes me uncomfortable recommending it to other people. But it's kind of hard to say there's so much world building that happens in that first novel. It's kind of hard to skip it and say, start with number two or number three, yeah. Uh, you know, it's because it's not present in all the books, but you mm-hmm. kind of need to understand what's happening. But I, I absolutely yeah. love the Dresden Files and Me too. Uh, the great stuff that's in there. And I love just seeing how Harry grows from Stormfront to Battlefront. Yes. You Battlefront know? was awesome. That was <laughs> yeah. so huge. I, I won't spoil it, but I cried. Like, I, will, I have oh, no hesitation oh, no, to admit that. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> there there is a good reason to sob with that book. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, but but good yeah. stuff. He's an excellent author. So, but yeah, and, and nothing against them. I you know I totally get it. It's their story. They get to do what they want. You know, both Larry yeah. and Jim. Um, but it's just something that's like just a, it's just that thing that kind of it's like sandpaper on my skin as I'm reading. Like, oh wow, okay, yeah. just move on. Um, so for sure. You know, the fact that your editor is like, oh, let's, let's pull that out. You know, that there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Um, but at the same time, you know, because of the type of novel it is, you know, there's probably some other stuff that might wrinkle a few people's noses because, you know, it, it is what it is. It's it's a crime thriller about a murderer. I mean, you, yeah. if you don't like murders, you have to avoid it. But at the right. same time, <laughs> this is not the book Dexter for you. Is, yeah, Dexter was hugely popular, and that was episode after episode of murders. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. and he was killing off these guy, bad guys that kill people, and all sorts of other stuff. And people loved it. There's definitely an audience for it. Um, yeah. And some people that were not interested in that became interested in it. So sometimes it's okay to, to take a dive into something different. Definitely, and yeah, I, I hope that. You know, the, the treatment of the material, I tried to be very tasteful in, in, in some mm-hmm. of the darker elements. So, so. Yeah, no, that, I, I know Holly's a fantastic editor, and she also helped clean it up and make, make you shine uh, yeah, as well. Great. We love Holly. Yes, yes. And if you ever find a copy of the Umbridge Rap, you must listen to it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I don't know if one exists. It might, 
But yeah, Holly created the Umbridge rap. Yeah, uh, yeah, we know a game of choose your own apocalypse. Oh my gosh, and she totally, <laughs> totally won that one. You stole um, that one. Yeah. Oh my goodness. All right, so here we so novel is already out. So mm-hmm. listening, they don't need to wait. They can go pick up a copy now. Where can they find it? Well, you can find it um, you know, just on Amazon. Amazon. Um, if you're in Salt Lake, there's copies at um, Marissa's Bookstore in Murray. Um, you know, Immortal Works Press. We have our own online store. You can get it there. Uh, the ebook, of course, is on Amazon, and then of course the audio book is coming soon. So, uh, not hard to find. You know, just uh, yeah, and uh, uh, but yeah. Anywhere really books are sold. Okay. So folks, I definitely suggest picking this up. Uh, I can honestly say Jason is an amazing author. Not only have I read his uh, stuff, but uh, Jason also gave me my first uh, gig is write, for writing a short story uh, in his Valkoria oh, series. So I had to read uh, his series to kind of get fans <laughs> up on it. And I, it's fantastic. I love the way you write. I love the way your characters are like you said early on in the, the show it's very character driven and you can definitely tell um i know you're the type of guy that's very humble and is gonna go ah, i'm not that great but i you know you are fantastic at what you do and you know you're up there uh, i would say the way you do these story driven uh characters is pretty much on par with brandon uh oh. sanderson so that's high praise. Um, that, yeah, it is. It definitely is. I mean, Brandon does a great job, and so do you. So I, I think you deserve that. Uh, so go out and pick up a copy uh, of Jason's crime novel, The Mad Reaper. Not a fan of crime? Definitely go pick up his Valkoria or Laura Fools or even his Thomas Destiny. That's a fun, fun read. <laughs> um, and, and help support Jason's writing so that we can see more fantastic novels from him. And with that said, though Krebs is not here, I'm going to hand it over to Matthew to do a lightning round with Jason because he's not been around for that. (laughs) So yes, I am not uh, Krebs, but I am the other Krebs and this is the other lightning round. Uh, So (laughs) we like to do this when we have uh, people on here that haven't done a lightning round before we have just some questions uh, and you, you answer with the first thing that, first answer that comes to you right uh there's no uh there's no wrong answer here just go with your go with your gut all right sounds fun are you ready i'm ready all right question number one what is your favorite color green what is your favorite comfort food pizza what is your opinion on the 1984 fantasy film never-ending story (laughs) <laughs> it scared me. <laughs> Daniel thought I was going to say something else. And a long time ago, <laughs> yeah, I did. I was going to say something. <laughs> I did. Story. What, what, what scared you? Oh, man. Um, that turtle thing like scared the heck out of me. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I know there's all that trauma meme about uh, Atreus' horse, but uh, the turtle things. <laughs> so, and then uh, just the. I don't know. The wolf was pretty cool now, but back then he scared me too. Did nothing. Yeah, I didn't like the wolf so much. That was a little. That was a little <laughs> rough. But uh, yeah, because I was I was little. I was little when we when we watched that. But yeah, cool. Well, thank you very much, Jason. I will thank say you. One, that was fun. Thing. I will say one thing. That movie has not withstood the test of time. If you go back and watch it now, you're just like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. <laughs> oh, I, too I, bad. 
Yeah. I so like the Princess Bride, it's classic. You can watch mm-hmm. it over and over. I went mm-hmm. back to watch that movie with my kids and I'm like, uh, this is not what I remember it to be. <laughs> you know, the giant <laughs> rock monster, the super fast snail. I'm just like, oh, my heart hurts. Well, if you ever start to lose appreciation for Neverending Story, all you need to do is watch Neverending Story 2. And if that doesn't work, oh. then watch 3. <laughs> and then if you go back and watch 1, you're going to say, this is a masterpiece. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even Jonathan Brandis in number 2 can't save it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, was, was not awful. aware they made a 3. That's even more scary. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's funny. All right, folks. So we're going to wrap this up. Go out, pick up a copy of Jason's books. Check out everything else that Immortal Works offers. They have a great selection of books as well. And we'll catch you next time. Dungeon crawlers everywhere. Remember to let your geek flag fly. So say we all. Always remember to be epic and don't suck. Remember... Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like this episode, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find us.